We can also imagine that there will be avatars available in different cities, and Pittsburgh might be one of those cities as well where you can teleport yourself, right? You can actually, this term of teleportation is not the appropriate term, but you can actually be there and, and provide support and bring your skills somewhere else. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. We've got a mind expander for you here today. Some of you may know that recently we've been on a kick of doing in-person interviews. Almost every interview we've done this year and in late 2017 have been in-person, primarily in the city of Pittsburgh. I'm breaking the streak today to conduct or to share an interview that I did long distance with Amir Bonafetimi of the XPRIZE organization. Amir and the XPRIZE organization are running a competition to create an avatar to incentivize with a $10 million cash prize teams from around the globe to develop technologies around telepresence, haptics, robotics, to help people transfer their skills and their presence to another part of the globe. This is such a big idea. This is such a disruptive concept, and it so closely ties with my job. My job is to prepare you for the future. My job is to give you a perspective into the world and how it's changing so that you can make better decisions about your life, about your career, about your plans for the future. This conversation will do that precisely for you, not necessarily uh, hoping that every single person who listens to this starts their own team and competes for the X Prize, but knowing that a technology like this is going to exist in the near future, the implications of that technology should inform the choices that you're making today. That is the point of having this conversation. That is why I had Amir on the show, and that is what I hope you get from it. So please enjoy, please think big, and please enjoy this conversation with Amir Banafatami. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Amir, welcome to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited as well. Um, a mutual friend, acquaintance, uh, person of ours, Kenny Chen, put the X Prize on my radar, I would say like three-ish years ago. And the pre one of the previous competitions of which there have been many for the X Prize was around artificial intelligence. But I think before we kind of get specifically into this Avatar X Prize, maybe just giving you a chance to explain what the X Prize is in general would be helpful for the audience. Uh, absolutely, X Prize is a nonprofit organization that creates incentive competitions to really entice the crowd to take action and bring us closer to a world of progress, abundance, uh, equality, and, and improving right, the grand challenges. The way we do it is that we incentivize scientists, engineers, uh, entrepreneurs, of course, and academics, or any other innovator uh, with new ideas from all over the world and invite them to team up and compete to win a prize. And rather than throwing money at a given problem, we uh, prefer to incentivize the solution and challenge the world to solve for it. 
And the reason that that is perhaps more effective is if you were maybe investing the same amount of money into one company, then all your chips are effectively on that one team to not only figure it out, but to execute on the vision versus setting up the reward, having a number of teams, and this is global all over the place, competing for it, but they're all making forward progress. And you've basically created more positive innovation with that one single amount of prize money or capital, right? I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better than you said it. It's perfectly right. We observe that for many uh, innovations that are uh, really impactful and global in nature, they might not be just one answer. Uh, in fact, many researchers are doing research in laboratories and universities and research centers. Many entrepreneurs are trying to create product and services via startups or, or new initiatives, or even through advocacy and NGOs. Uh, and while this exists, uh, there is uh, sometimes a vacuum, a white space where there is no government investments or grants or incentives. There is no venture capital funding for a specific topic. And therefore, uh, there is a need for an X-Prize because we're going to be incentivizing the crowd to come up and with ideas and, and efforts to try to solve a very big problem where not yet uh, an investment thesis makes sense or not yet governments have en masse approved or be aware that this is an investment worth doing. So we have examples in the past of what we've done and basically along the line of that, but uh, correct, what you said is exactly correct. We we prefer to incentivize the crowd to come up with solutions, and therefore the money is given to them. It's not an investment; it's a prize, it's like a grant, and that money incentivizes people to compete. Although most teams do not compete just for the money, the access to be recognized as a express competitor status, the ability via the prize to be able to reach out to the world best experts having the visibility of their team competing are equally of equal importance for, for, uh, for competitors. And we've had a number of companies in Pittsburgh who've competed in some fashion in this XPRIZE competition. Um, so those in the startup scene will be very familiar with it and familiar with past challenges. What's so interesting to me about the Avatar XPRIZE is that as someone who has kind of looked at some of these older challenges. A lot of the other ones are, not that the avatar is not clear, but you could very, um, as someone who's not particularly technical, wrap your mind around what these companies might be doing to say, make better use of the CO2 that's being collected in the atmosphere or to get uh, something out to the moon or to use AI to solve one of the world's challenges, the Avatar X Prize. Like at first, it, it took me longer to even wrap my mind around what was being challenged to accomplish because it's such a disruptive, paradigm-shifting idea. So maybe give the audience a little bit about uh, what the Avatar X Prize is all about and uh, what some of the implications of it could be if once it's accomplished. Thank you, Aaron. The Avatar X Prize, sponsored by uh, all Nippon Airways, we call it the ANA Avatar X Prize, is um, like many other competitions that we have created, is a four-year global challenge. And the goal is to develop an avatar system, uh, really a robotic system, that would transport our senses, a human sense, our actions, our presence to a remote location, 
all in real time. The goal really is to um, try to bring us closer to a more connected world. I can give an example where if imagine there is a hurricane or a disaster in a country like we had recently in Asia or a few years ago in Haiti, and uh, people of Pittsburgh wanted to participate and lend a hand. Uh, imagine a plumber, a doctor, a nurse wanting to help, and they can send money uh, to a charitative organization. They can send probably clothes. Uh, they can also take a plane and go there and volunteer. Maybe they can also try to be there via an avatar. And would that be possible that you can actually send your presence, your actions, your capability, your skills remotely so that the avatar becomes you over there. The avatar becomes the plumber, becomes the nurse, becomes the, um, the psychologist, becomes the, take care, the care of the children or the old person. So the idea is that how can we expand our capabilities through geographies and through time without being there? This dream of teleportation really was the starting point for this competition. And although we might be many, many years away from teleportation, or if ever, how can we actually be closer to each other? How can we be there without being there? How can we be in two places and participate in, uh, in what the world needs? And we have all skills and we can all participate. So this idea of being more connected to the world is the foundation of this Avatar X Prize. In fact, it will have a number of, uh, it will have a number of uh, consequences, both economically and socially. Imagine that the same way we have in cities, uh, bicycles ready to use publicly, or maybe tomorrow park self-driving cars available publicly. We can also imagine that there will be avatars available in different cities, and Pittsburgh may be one of those cities as well where you can teleport yourself, right? You can actually, this term of teleportation is not the appropriate term, but you can actually be there uh, and, and provide support and bring your skills somewhere else. Uh, it could actually um, help with this notion that we're not being replaced by robots, but robots could be an extension of us. And when we talk about an avatar system, it's not just a robot. For a robot to be completely following us and doing what we do, it needs to be connected. So we need not only robotic capabilities, but also we need abilities to see, to hear, to sense, to smell, to feel for the five senses what's out there. So it means that we need technologies in, uh, including haptics and sensors and artificial intelligence and network connectivity to, to bring back and forth right, this, this, uh, this, uh, this information and also send our presence somewhere else. So if an avatar system or a robot were to be somewhere else, how that person receiving the care or receiving the assistance will feel a human presence? Well, that's also a challenge. So we are incentivizing and inviting many teams globally to come and take on this challenge, and we don't know what will happen. We'll be surprised. Maybe the definition of avatar will have different meaning to different people. Maybe. Some people will not create a human aid form, some will create a human aid form. As long as it can transport our presence and show a human presence, uh, that's what we're trying to do and discover together. There are many questions that we don't have answer for, but this is the beauty and the opportunity that we are seeking through this competition, is to collectively and globally try to solve for the questions of how can we be closer to each other uh, without this notion of distance and time.
Absolutely. It's it's a really big idea. And one of the kind of trends or thought processes that I've been going through with a lot of the technical innovation that we're seeing recently is that there's a lot of what old is new again, or very much kind of going back to our biological roots, where a lot of the industrial revolution, or even just frankly, the 20th century was about retreating into manufacturing plants and office buildings. And now with the advent of remote work, we're kind of going back out into our uh, environments to get our work done. And and really, when you're, you're talking about the nurses and the doctors providing care, the origins of a lot of healthcare was the traveling doctor who'd go from home to home and see people in their beds and in their infirmaries. And, and then we started building doctor's offices and hospitals and you had to go somewhere to get the care. And really what this would be enabling is kind of a return to that of that, you know, maybe the doctor is staying in one space where they have all their resources, where they're comfortable and an avatar or a team of avatars are going into these different environments to provide that care at scale to people where they are in need. So so that's one of the, like the, the just kind of big paradigm shifting aspects of this. But the other side of it is really the the competition that this would also enable. So in many instances, what the digital revolution has allowed for is much more of a global sense of competition. I can hire a dev team in India or I can hire a graphic designer on the West Coast when I'm on the East Coast which makes the competitive environment so much greater. And this would also open the door for, with both positive and negative consequences, just a much, much richer, deeper um, environment for people to compete to be the best with one another. If I can have access to the best doctor in London, in Pittsburgh, but via telepresence, that's paradigm shifting in and of itself. That's exactly um, the intention behind this. It's, it's really augmenting our capabilities. Every human think of augmentation through science fiction in a certain way, maybe, uh, but when you think about it, a pair of glasses or a hearing aid is already an augmentation. It helps us basically become better. Uh, how can we augment our empathy? How can we augment our sense of humanity and participation globally? How can the citizens of Pittsburgh help the world, right? Uh, so that's an interesting concept. How can you actually be closer to anyone in the world without being there? And how can you understand and, and sense the presence of others and how you can bring your skills somewhere else? So it also has a connotation and an impact on how we work in the future. Maybe the work of the future could be also impacted by avatars. And avatars don't have to be autonomous robots that will replace us and takes our job. Avatars could be complement to us. And that's also is interesting social conversation and narrative about uh, we should try this more and evaluate uh, how it can actually e increase our sense of presence and our participation, really, in, uh, in the, what the world needs. Undoubtedly. One of the other questions that I had is how the winner for something like this gets evaluated. I'm sure that the challenge the team has internally of which metrics matter, how do we figure out um, who has created the best avatar in a competition such as this. Can you talk a little bit about how that gets evaluated? Um, absolutely. We, um, we, have, uh, we have been working um, already many months talking to, to experts uh, in robotics, in haptics, in AI, and in different various fields, uh, what the winning team needs to do. 
for sure the winning team will need to integrate multiple technologies to develop a physical and non-autonomous avatar system. Teams may or may not have all the competencies, and I'm, I'm answering your question with this additional information. Teams can form up by, by, by completing different techniques coming from different individuals. So one team doesn't have to have all the capabilities. They can actually merge up and, and form a best team, if you will. But teams need to abide by some scenarios that will be preparing with the judges. So those scenarios will be situations where you will use your avatar to solve a problem. An example, a sim very simple scenario could be go open the door, kindly find this old person sitting on a chair, help them get to the bathroom, take a bath, help them get dressed again and give them their meal and then come back and sit down and wait. So this could be a very simple scenario. Uh, many other scenarios could be created just to, um, just to give the teams an ability to showcase their capabilities. We are going to be building those scenarios over time. All the teams will have the same exact scenario. At this point, what we're telling teams is that they need to create an avatar system which an, an operator can see here, interact with the remote environment in a manner that feels as if they were truly there. So that's all we are saying right now. But we will be providing teams as of early of next year more element about the type of effort they need to do. Already the competition guidelines include some of this information, but um, we don't know what the technology will bring in two years or one year or three years from now. So we cannot predict if we're going to be too demanding or not demanding from teams right three years ahead. So um, we will be providing teams with scenarios. This is the term. And those scenarios will include the number of tasks and subtasks that the avatar has to do. Um, this is how we're going to be judging that. And teams will be all judged equally. Teams will go through two steps of semi-final and final. And they will have time and opportunity to practice and to showcase beforehand. Uh, and uh, we will have one set of rules for all the teams. And that's what's exciting about it is this innovation is going to be emergent from the creativity of all these different teams that compete. So you don't necessarily know exactly how it will come together. But can you speak a little bit? Obviously, robotics is going to be a part of this. And, and you mentioned artificial intelligence, machine learning. Are there any other kind of like core components of the teams that are being formed, the, the technical skill sets that are going to be required in order to accomplish this goal? Because there are so many moving parts to this type of solution. Um, yes, the competition will require teams to have knowledge of and expertise in one, robotic systems in general, uh, sensors, haptics, augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, artificial intelligence, IOTs, and more generally connected devices and network capabilities among others. We do not expect a single team having all these capabilities. That's how we, we encourage teams. Some of them may have all, all of them, and some that may not have it can actually merge or join or find other team members that do have that. Uh, we expect also a number of industry part, industrial partners to provide ready-to-go capabilities, such as ready-to-go robotic system, ready-to-go haptic sensors, ready-to-go 
network chips or radical algorithms in terms of sensing and understanding a remote object. Uh, we don't expect teams to build everything. It's more of an integration more than a building. We don't expect teams to do research and development and come up with the core technologies necessarily. So think of this more as an iPhone, as an example, if I may use this metaphor, where somebody is building the, um, the glass, somebody's building the case, somebody's building the processor, or the memory, or the camera, but the integration makes sense. So it's more of an integration of, uh, effort, more than just pure R&D. We're not trying to, to incentivize teams to create the more fluid robot necessarily. We want to showcase the presence and the fact that you can actually be there and help and the other person receiving the help feels the human presence. So in addition to technologies, there is a need for teams to work with uh, social uh, psychologists and people involved in human and machine collaboration and brain-machine connectivity. Uh, and more generally speaking, uh, I don't know the term, but the science that deals with, with humans dealing with machines. So we can edit that part. But it's going to be more than technology. So this is an opportunity for many teams to go out and seek support and work with the best labs and work with the best experts and, and, and ask them to help them because this is a global endeavor. And this is the part that is exciting. And teams may start with one individual having an amazing idea that will lead and bring around him or herself uh, amazing contributors that may be there as advisors or experts or team members. So this is a growing uh, effort. Teams that are registering will be given uh, some amount of time, a few months up to, I think, nine months to each actually beef up their team so they can go out and find other team members. And even after the competition has started, they can still add uh, team members once they're officially registered. So this is not a set in stone effort. It requires many moving parts, as we said, but the good news is that all those moving parts have been solved individually, singularly in different other contexts. So it's about understanding how to engineer all of them together and how to bring them together. Gotcha. So in terms of who's participating in these competitions, um, traditionally in these older competitions, have you found it to usually be college students, recent grads, pre-existing companies, new startups? What does the like kind of standard team of the past look like in terms of maybe industry experience or general um, age and also location? What, what part of the world are they in? Um, team composition is very diverse. Historically, we have seen, uh, and I don't think this competition will, will change from that, we've seen very multidisciplinary teams forming up. Uh, one third of teams usually are coming from academia, uh, research labs, students forming teams together. One third of them are typically teams that qualify themselves as early stage companies, they could be startups, they could be existing companies that are in, in, in very deep technical fields, but at the early stage still. Uh, and the other third are teams that are very eclectic in nature, that are formed by different types of individuals and uh, coming from industry as well. So we have uh, individuals working in a, in a large corporation, forming the team together to compete. And we have also teams that are formed by retirees or two single moms that have this idea and gather around them engineering capabilities we have seen it all but really the three the three buckets are usually one from the world of research academia 
learning, teaching, and the other one are the startups, early stage, and the other one is basically everything else. And we do see cross-pollination between these teams. It, they, are, uh, they are sometimes um, joining other teams and uh, somebody from industry may find someone um, that uh, is a student or an academia may find someone who's a city planner. So it's very intriguing always for us to see how teams are formed, but teams are really open. They are not uh, in a certain way um, defined as exactly scientific. This is not a scientific challenge necessarily. This is not a technology challenge only. This is not a startup where you have to product to create a product and, and commercialize it. It's an application. And this application might lead later on to either multiple technologies and multiple companies or could lead to multiple research efforts, could be leading to multiple social conversations. So the application is the core, and we don't expect teams to have a finished, ready-to-be-marketable product. Makes sense. It's a, uh, a really exciting endeavor, and so many people are involved across the globe that it, it really captures the imagination. I can't wait to see what comes of it. As we aim towards wrapping up here, Amir, before we ask our standard last two questions, anything else you were hoping to share today that I didn't give you a chance to? This competition is unique in, in how it has been designed. And in the sense, it opens the door to not just uh, individuals and, and companies that are really experts uh, in, in avatar or, or robotic technologies, but also to anyone that thinks that this approach is worthy of consideration and could take a leadership role in, uh, in building a team to compete. Uh, and we've seen this in the past. This competition is not just about forming a team or participating as a team. It's also about assisting teams. It's also about talking about the social implications of avatars. It's also about providing support to teams that are competing. Uh, it's also about encouraging, uh, creating scenarios. What I did not mention before is that the scenarios that will be used to judge the teams will be created partly by judges, partly by teams themselves, so they can challenge each other. But the most important part is that we're going to be asking uh, anyone out there, the crowd, to come up with scenarios as well. So we're going to be crowdsourcing a few scenarios that will be given to competitors to abide by. So these scenarios will be um, created by the crowd in probably a year from now. We're going to be starting this. And this is the really exciting part where we hope a society as a whole could participate in also giving their voice and their opinion about what type of scenarios they want avatars to do with, what they want avatars to, to be dealing with, how they want the avatars to live with us. And it's going to be captured through the scenarios that we're going to give the crowd an opportunity to create and to propose to teams. And teams will have to go through one of those scenarios to win. Very exciting. Um, I know people are going to want to learn more after hearing this conversation. Amir, what digital coordinates can we provide them to check out the competition? Uh, the, um, the main uh, portal for the competition is avatar.xprize.org. And they can reach out also on social media. Uh, handle is xprize. And they can always uh, email us at avatar at xprize.org. Awesome. We're going to link that in the show notes. Goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast is the place to find it for this and every episode of the show, Amir. But as we do at the end of each conversation, I want to give you the mic a final time to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience. 
if I had to, to, to talk about one challenge uh, to the audience is to think about how our human evolution will be in the next 10 to 20 years. How will machines play a role in our evolution, which has been biological so far? And what are we going to be doing, thinking, participating in to discuss and have better ideas about the future of humanity and how machines can actually be a part of that? I love it. I uh, I think that my biggest takeaway, just in even talking, but also doing the research and listening to some of the other um, talks that you and the team have done, is just how optimistic the XPRIZE team feels about all this stuff. It, it, it's always oriented around helping people and making people's lives better and solving these big problems that we face as a, as a human race. So I uh, credit you for that. I think that everyone will benefit from thinking about that. And uh, thank you so much for going deep with us today. It was a pleasure. Uh, uh, and, uh, and I hope that uh, people will be intrigued and interested and they can also always reach out to us. And we hope to be back in Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is an important city for us. We hope that Pittsburgh becomes, if not the first one, one of the first avatar cities. Amazing. Uh, I'm excited for that as well. We just went deep with Amir Benefitimi. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that your gears are spinning about what the future might hold. I also hope that you've marked March 23rd on your calendar, 2019, for the second Going Deep Summit. I am absolutely stoked about it. I cannot wait for it, and I hope that you will be there. Mark your calendars. The other thing that I'm excited about is for our next episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. We'll be featuring Bree Conley, the founder of Number 14 Boutique. She is defying the death of retail. There's all these headlines, all these malls closing, Amazon's gobbling up everything. She says, no. She says, I am actually opening a store in Lawrenceville and have grown every year for four consecutive years and have done it through unparalleled preparation, grit, and a distinct aesthetic sense. She talks about how she did it. A lot of great lessons in there. Coming up right now, right this instant, is a preview of that conversation with Brie Conley. Enjoy. I am my client because I'm the age. So eventually we'll figure that out once I get too old or maybe the brand will grow with me. I don't know. But yes, I mean, my clients, like I am them. I, 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 they have the same taste as me. I actually used to, before we opened, I didn't, I thought Lawrenceville was so hipster and like, I was like, oh, we got to do like brown leather. And I don't know. I think, I think I'm too girly for it. And we kind of, we like bought for this like Lawrenceville person that we assumed existed and then the products that we bought that we were like okay we're gonna take a chance on this it's really girly but like we'll see and then all that stuff is the stuff that sold and that like Lawrenceville product didn't because it wasn't what we believed in right thanks for listening connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron Watson 59 